Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome, everybody. It is Wednesday night, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even an armored personnel carrier. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are. Settle in, get a drink, get yourself a snack. Have some fun. Okay. gentlemen welcome to another episode of the daily boogie podcast i am boogie bumper your host hopefully for the next hour or so maybe a little bit longer we'll see how we go thank you so much for joining us it's an absolute pleasure to see you there in the chat thank you for sharing the show out if you did if you didn't well i'm going to send the tanks to get you as we learned yesterday from the great joy reed she who must not be questioned in her internal wisdom that the whole military display was merely Donald Trump attempting to threaten and intimidate the resistance, of which she is a part in the corporate press. She's a very creative girl, is our joy, and we're very proud of her. Congratulations, everyone. Uh, For my American brothers and sisters, it is the eve of your celebration of your escape from the vile, tyrannous United Kingdom. The evil king who wanted to take a little bit more tax out of you. And you said, no taxation without representation. And now you pay a hell of a lot more taxes than you used to. A hell of a lot more taxes. Much of it going overseas to various other countries. (laughs) Oh, how the times have changed. But any excuse for um, having armoured personnel carriers rolling down the streets in Washington, D.C. in some kind of dystopian nightmare is fine by me. So thanks, America. Very cool. Very cool. We will get into that. We've got a lot of other stuff to get through as well. I will be taking calls tonight if anybody's interested. So if you want to call in, by all means, please jump on the Discord. Jump in the waiting room about anything we discuss here tonight or anything that has sparked your interest throughout the week, then feel free to jump in. We'll have a little chat. Quick reminder, if you want to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to roll a couple of tanks up my highway, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. I guess tanks America, tanks America. Pardon me. I suppose we better get right into it then. MSNBC discussing the cost of this little military parade, both politically and economically, and what does it all mean? 
Today, with the humanitarian crisis still unfolding at the southern border and new disturbing images of overcrowded and squalid conditions at migrant detention facilities, what appears to be a presidential priority heading into this holiday weekend is a 4th of July celebration. Tanks already in position now on the streets of the nation's capital in advance of military-style events tomorrow and a speech during the evening's festivities at the Lincoln Memorial that's beginning to look a lot more like a MAGA rally especially given the news today that the Republican Party is handing out VIP tickets. Wouldn't you just love if somebody wandered over from the city council and gave the guy a ticket? <laughs> hey, you can't park this here. You can't park this here. Are you kidding? It's it's for the military parade. Military, military parade, sh- military parade. I've got to empty a whole book of tickets here. You can't, You can't park this thing here, mate. Move along. There's a, there's a there's a Home Depot down the road. Can you leave it down there in the car park, please? You can't park this out on the street like this. Capital in advance of military-style events tomorrow and a speech during the evening's festivities at the Lincoln Memorial that's beginning to look a lot more like a MAGA rally, uh. especially given the news today that the Republican Party is handing out VIP tickets to big donors and political appointees that will... Jealous. <laughs> The Republican Party is handing out tickets to their big donors for the military parade. <laughs> I thought you didn't want to go to the military parade. I don't. So what do you care? Shut up. Shut up. Put them front and center when the president takes the stage and considering the president's pattern at events that are traditionally apolitical. Take, for example, when he bragged about the size of his inauguration crowd in front of that memorial wall of Ah, stars at the CIA. That was immediately ah. after he took office. More recently. The positive thing about um, bragging about the size of your inauguration speech crowd in front of the wall of unknown fallen warriors is um, we really don't have to worry about who we're upsetting. You know what I mean? Nobody knows their name. Nobody knows the families. Nobody knows the circumstances. So he's fine with that one. That's fine. No problem there. He took office. More recently, he criticized Nancy Pelosi. Remember this in front of the American Cemetery in Normandy. (laughs) So now you're not allowed to now you're not allowed to criticize people if you're sitting in front of certain things. Once upon a time, people would have said saying things like, uh, for example, the American flag is racist. The flag is a symbol of oppression. People would have taken offence to that. But the people who take offence to that also want to honour the memory of the people that they hate so much. <laughs> you, you can't insult Nancy Pelosi in front of a graveyard. Jesus Christ, man. Have you no shame, Mr. President? Sir? At least wait until you get into the restroom. And he also turned a Boy Scout jamboree into a political event. So it is no surprise that there's growing concern President Trump might politicize this 4th of July event as well. And today, open questions about who is footing the bill for what could turn out to be little more than a campaign-like stop. The Washington Post is reporting that for starters... Who's paying for all this? Who's paying for all of this military equipment? Oh, now you care. Now you're interested. (laughs) People have only been talking about the funding of the military-industrial complex for the last 50 years. You're like, yeah, so what? So what? 
As long as as long as I get my health care, I don't care. As long as I get my food vouchers, I don't give a fuck. Now all of a sudden, now that uh, he wants to put these pieces of hardware out on display, all of a sudden it's like, where's the where's the money coming from for all this? You had a tank this whole time. I didn't know you had a tank. Where did you get the money for a tank? It's like it's like a married couple. When the husband pulls out a new set of golf clubs, but he's had them for like five years, but the wife never noticed until she's in a real bitchy mood. When did you get those? What, these, this, this tank? I've had this tank for years, man. Really? I, I don't remember ever seeing a tank. Where did you get it from? I don't know. They were, it was on special. It got it like 20% off. Something like that. It was like four or five years ago. Well, I don't remember you ever coming home with a tank. Where did you get the money for the tank? I, 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 had, I have my own money. I saved up. I saved up and went out and got myself a tank. Is there a problem? No. Of course, I don't have a problem. I'm just wondering where the money's coming from. You know, there's lots of other things I'd like to buy in this house, you know. Not just tanks. I told, I've had the tank forever. Okay, can you get off my ass about it? The tank has just been sitting there for five years. It hasn't been used. This is the first time I've taken it out. That's probably why you've noticed it. Well, I, I would have noticed a tank if there was a tank in the house before this. And there, there, there is a pile of bills on the bench. I don't know if you're aware. It seems you're too busy out buying tanks to care about the running of the household. We have medical bills. We have a new fence that needs to be built. Okay. The kids need food. I, I can't be the only one who's paying attention to all of these expenditures in the household. I mean, don't you think I would like a tank? Don't you think I would like to buy a tank too one day? Jesus Christ. The Park Service is diverting two and a half million dollars to improve national parks to cover some of the costs. But the Post adds, quote, the diverted park fees represent just a fraction of the extra costs the government faces as a result of the event. And Trump administration officials, they write, have consistently refused to say how much taxpayers will have to pay. That reporting appears to have the president on the defensive today. I hope it costs like five billion dollars. I don't care. Who cares at this point? You know, I get I get the argument that people are having. That being, um, you know, like a lot of libertarians and stuff too are saying, hey, I don't really want, you know, military hardware rolling down the road, rolling down the main road. And I get that because it does look kind of, you know, North Korean. <laughs> Put it that way. I, I understand it. It's like, yeah, I don't want the military marching around like that and tanks rolling around. So I understand it. But, um, you know, I'm not an American, so I kind of disassociate myself from that kind of emotion. And I'm like, well, it's worth it just because they said that he shouldn't do it. Just to like, fuck you, just for the laughs, you know what I mean? You can't do this because he can't do anything. He's like, no, to hell with him. Fuck him. Get the tanks. How many tanks do we have in the, in the, in the garage? Let's roll them all out down the main street. <laughs> fuck these bastards, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll give a speech. It's going to be tremendous. There'll be popcorn. People will drink soda. It'll be wonderful. Waving American flags. To hell with them all. So it's worth it just for that for mine. 
he tweeted, quote, the cost of our great salute to America will be very little compared to what it is worth. We own the planes. We have the pilots. The airport is right next door. Andrews. All we need is the fuel. We own the tanks and all fireworks are donated by two of the great. Good question in the chat. See, follow cues onto it. What kind of gas mileage does it get? Because <laughs> what you want is like a Democrat bean counter, a Democrat politician walking around the tank with a clipboard. Yeah, we're just calculating uh, how much the taxpayers are actually going to have to pay. We'll get somebody from the tax department down there to calculate the cost of this event for the taxpayers. And they're walking around like, uh-huh. So when was the last time the tank was serviced? I see, I see some scratches on the tracks here. Now is that new? Was that was that there when you picked it up? Can I get the odometer reading on this tank before you set it off down the main road down Pennsylvania Avenue? Can you do that for me? <laughs> now it says here in miles to gallon, it's got a decimal point in it. Does that mean that this thing's a bit of a gas guzzler? I see. And where did you fill it up? Did you fill it up at the at the BP down the road? At the Ampol? The Texaco? <laughs> we have to ta- we have to calculate the cost of these tanks rolling down the road. Three to five miles per gallon. That's some good economy there. It's nice. Exclamation point. Here to help me break it all down today, from the Washington Post, we have national political reporter Robert Costa. On set, NBC News correspondent Heidi Prisbilla, New York Times political reporter Ken Vogel, plus Doug Thornell, former DNC senior advisor, and chief national correspondent for the New York Times, Mark Leibovich. Thanks. Okay. Can we not... Can, can we not have two people from the New York Times? What's the point of having two people from the same publication? I'd rather someone from BuzzFeed in there. Okay, we got this guy from the Washington Post, this guy, this girl from the New York Times, this guy who used to work for the DNC, and another guy from the New York Times. <laughs> who's who's minding the office at the New York Times? They're all out here doing interviews. Who's actually doing the typing now? Can you turn the light off when you leave? Okay. So all of you for being with us, Robert. We're going to have you join us here as well. Heidi, I want to start with you. Talk about what particularly makes this so abnormal for a president to put himself in the middle of the 4th of July celebration with Air Force One, F-35s, Marine One all flying overhead. Because it's a celebration of our nation's history. It's not a celebration of any particular individual. The racist, horrible, oppressive, suppressive, slave-ridden history. Why are you even celebrating your history? See, all of a sudden now, the 4th of July, it's a celebration of our history. Last week, it was an evil uh, masturbatory exercise in reveling in the slavery and oppression and hatred of people from other parts of the world. But today, because there's going to be tanks and Air Force jets flying around, it's a celebration. He's He's ruining the 4th of July for everybody, you know. He's ruining it for everyone. This is supposed to be a celebration of our history. (laughs) Can you make up your mind, please? Are you supposed to celebrate your history or is it supposed to be awful? If it's awful, then you shouldn't be celebrating it. 
maybe what you should have is a bunch of people in chains walking down the main road instead of tanks. Maybe that would be a more adequate celebration of your history, right? Donald Trump dressed up like a Puritan. It's supposed to be a celebration of our history. Oh, okay. The history that's awful and racist and bigoted and wrong and needs to be, you know, cleansed. Yes, that history. Ah, oh, okay. I see. Excellent. Individual, including him. We just have not had this in modern times. Actually, I was going back and looking. You kind of have to go back to previous centuries to find a parallel example of something like this happening. Now, if he wanted... We're going to party like it's 1788. Fuck yeah. <laughs> to just give a very special celebration to the American people. Very he could special. still do the pyrotechnics. He could still do the jet flyovers and maybe even the tanks. But he's putting himself. At Good comment in the chat. Um, I hope there will be no LGBTQ dry humping in the tanks. What Do you think this would be something that we could do to reach out to the LBGTQ community? Perhaps get one of the tanks out there, paint it in rainbows, get some streamers on it. Some people in some tight leather pants. <laughs> Military gaze, perhaps. Would that be something we should consider? Just roll that tank at the back. Have all the other tanks go through first and then the gay tank right at the back, coming up last. Get some MSNBC photographers out there. Wouldn't it be wonderful? This is how you reach out to other communities to make them feel part of the part of the celebrations. At the center of this, he is, by all accounts, the most polarizing president in modern history. And ah. simply by his presence, standing in front of one of our most cherished monuments. Uh, make Just wondering, do you think uh, Donald Trump is more polarizing than, say, Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> I mean, Abraham Lincoln was a pretty polarizing president. There was a civil war fought at the time, you will recall. Hundreds of thousands of people died fighting each other. You know, Donald Trump is the most polarizing president of all time. Really? Really? It's interesting. <laughs> you know, there's countless numbers of online blogs that say how divisive the president is and how polarizing he is. Ah, you know, a lot of people really don't like this president. You don't say. You don't say. You know, Abraham Lincoln fought a civil war. If we want to talk about polarizing, you know, love-hate relationships. Nah, it's different. It's different. You've got to go back hundreds of years to see something like this. Makes this a very controversial decision. Mark, your gut when you hear about this? Well, look, I mean, it is unprecedented. It's it's very Trump. It's very on brand. If comment in the chat, active duty military members don't want to do this. But yes, unfortunately, when you sign up for the military, oftentimes you have to do things you don't want to do. The military is not a democracy. The military is a dictatorship. The military is a socialist dictatorship. All of the resources are pulled together and allocated to according to need instead of want. And there is a clear hierarchy of command. And the command comes down from the top to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. So when the commander-in-chief says, you're going to get out there in your shiny tank, painted some rainbows for the gays, and you're going to roll that thing right down the main road, 
the only thing they can say is, Sir, yes, sir! I'm sure active military members didn't want to go to war in Iraq, didn't want to go to war in Afghanistan. Didn't like how one person speaks for all the military. No, one person does give the orders for for the military. <laughs> That's the way it works. <laughs> so who cares? They don't want to do it. Too bad. If you want to sort of look at it that way, I mean, the, the idea that this can still be a non-political event, that we can just come out and celebrate the 4th of July is, I think, far-fetched because at this point, anyone who goes is essentially seen as making a political decision and a political choice. And look, I mean, it's pretty obvious that this is a pretty political event. And I think the polarization of Donald Trump has collided very much with, with as you mentioned, as you laid out, a lot of previously non-political events. Yeah, they promise. You talk to White House officials, they say, thematically, this is going to be about the greatness of America. And then Kellyanne Conway told us yesterday, and all the successes we have had as an administration on job creation and helping veterans. Let me read for you what Greg Sargent from the Washington Post writes. He writes the following. He says, by politicizing the 4th of July so nakedly, Trump nakedly. has inevitably transformed the celebration into a campaign event. It remains to be seen, he writes, whether he will do ah, so okay, explicitly you, in his speech, but either way, that conversion has already been implicitly accomplished. The naked audacity... You know, for all the people in the service who don't want to be involved in this. I'm sure there's a few that do. Like what about the guy who normally does oil changes on the vehicles back at the back at the barracks, you know what I mean? What about the guy whose job it is in the military to you know clean the clean the soup kitchen after mess? He's probably going to love the day off. You mean I don't have to be in here scrubbing pots and pans all fucking day? I can get out there and march around in the street and tanks and wave little flags? It's going to be tremendous. I can't wait. Going to see some action. Of the usurpation is itself the point. That's a $5 word for you. <laughs> that Democrats and liberals are getting trolled into expressions of outrage over it only reinforces that point to greater effect. Ken, does it matter what he says tomorrow when he's up on the podium? What if he surprised all of us and just said, I'm here, Democrats, Republicans, we stand together and celebrate this day? Would anything change? Is that possibly would do so? That would be truly shocking. I think we've uh, seen a number of instances where the spotlight has been on Trump and uh, there's been a lot of attention on the specific words that he's using, whether he's going to live up to the moment or lapse into his sort of more ad lib campaign style rhetoric. Uh, and, you know, he could they could put him on the teleprompter and he could come out and give a, a, a soaring speech about uh, American ideals and independence and the like. But I think uh, Democrats, Republicans, everyone is going to be waiting for him to launch into his Kellyanne Conway put it a recitation of their greatest hits, which ultimately tends to lead, no matter how scripted, they try to have him into campaign style rally speak. To be I hope he does. I hope he gets up there with like all of the military hardware around him and the anthem playing and the flags waving and the jets flying overhead and just comes out and gives a very typical Trump speech. Yeah, you know, we're going to have to do something about these illegals and the Hillary Clinton campaign. They were colluding with the Russians. That was the real collusion. No collusion. No collusion. You know, nobody knows China like I know China. I, I would love if he dedicated five to ten minutes of this of this speech on Independence Day to China. <laughs> We've got some tremendous people working on the China problem. I, and you know, I know China. China! 
again, who gives a fuck at this point? Clear already this is having an impact, Doug, right now. If people, tourists, want to go see the Lincoln Memorial today, they can no longer do it. It's effectively oh, been shut oh. down, or at least was for a period of time today, because they're setting up the stage for the president. It's effectively shut down. Well, at least it was shut down for a period of time. Okay. We've got more and more opportunity to see the Lincoln Memorial by the minute. There, airspace is going to be shut down at at Reagan, not because the president is speaking per se, but because the president is speaking there, they moved the fireworks, which means for more than an hour, people aren't going to be able to fly in and out of town. The RNC, we heard from the RNC, the campaign has spoken out about this. Here's what the campaign said. They said, as a courtesy, the campaign, the Trump campaign also got tickets, was provided (laughs) tickets for staff and their families and friends, much like for the Easter egg roll or White House garden tours, probably similar to how Congress provides tickets to their events on the west front of the Capitol. I reached out to the DNC. They haven't received any tickets. So it was <laughs> This vanity parade. This vanity parade is an utter disgrace. Donald Trump is politicizing the military and he's politicizing the 4th of July celebrations. It's supposed to be a celebration of our history. Damn it. He's an awful evil man. He's going to turn this into a campaign rally. This is a waste of taxpayer money. You know, you can't get any mileage on these tanks. Terrible gas mileage. So this is going to cost the taxpayers a fortune. You know, they had to lock up the Lincoln Memorial for at least an hour. Did they really? Well, I never. I know, right? This awful vanity parade with all of this awful expenditure, this awful imagery. He's going to turn it into a MAGA rally. Can I go? No. No, you can't. Hang on. Why didn't I get a ticket? Where's my ticket? You know, all of the things that make this horrible, the tanks the over-the-top rhetoric, the hyperbole, the politicization, the taxpayer funds being wasted. But the worst part about all this is I didn't get invited. (laughs) You know, I spoke to somebody at the Democrats. They didn't get any tickets. Oh, Oh. They didn't get tickets to the thing that they don't want to go to. How awful. (laughs) And the Lincoln Memorial isn't the White House, so I, I, I get why you would give tickets at a White House event to your friends and supporters. I grew up in D.C. I've been to, you know, I've been living here for my whole life. I remember uh, Fourth of July celebrations. There was no, there's no need for this. I mean, we've celebrated America on Fourth of July pretty well. Uh, I think in part this is about a president who's deeply insecure. Uh-huh. And uh, this is a bit of sort of phony toughness that we've seen. Phony out of hand. toughness parading the tanks, the fighter jets. I think all of this is about him trying to, you know, sort of push out this machismo about his presidency that, you know, really is a big problem for him in terms of his insecurity about his toughness. We see when he is actually... Okay, fair enough. Maybe he should just blow some shit up then. How about that? (laughs) All of these people must have degrees in, like, psychoanalysis. Every single one, they like to talk about what he's thinking, what he's feeling, what his innermost secrets are. You know, he's really uh, insecure about his toughness. What the fuck are you talking about? 
Have you ever even stood next to the guy in an elevator? Do you even have you spoken to the guy for one second in your entire life? Don't need to. Don't need to. What this is all about is trying to project some kind of phony toughness. You should blow some shit up then. If that's what you want. Is that is actually <laughs> face to face with people like Kim Jong un and Putin, he backs down. And uh. this is really, I think, about him like propping himself up and propping up mm. his toughness. Well, let me add, Robert, let me bring you in here if I can. Propping propping up his toughness. He should ride atop of one of the tanks. He should give the speech from on top of the tank as it's rolling down the road. Waving like the Queen in the back of a Rolls Royce, you know what I mean? Waving to the peasants on the side of the road while they wave their little American flags. Donald Trump with his head popping up out of the tank with one of those helmets on. Saluting. God damn it. It's your paper that's reporting something as it relates to the... Even better, can he be straddling the gun barrel on one of the tanks? As though he were a cowboy riding a bull. <laughs> as, it's, as it's being driven around. <laughs> can we do that? But I want him facing the wrong way. I want him facing back towards the tank, straddling the gun barrel while the gun while the turret's spinning around. Yeah! Cost of all this, a lot of people are wondering yes, what it will cost. The Washington Post reporting nearly two and a half million dollars of money that would basically be spent to help improve the nation's parks, instead is being diverted for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this two and a half million dollars was supposed to go to the parks department. I mean, there are there are hedge cutters right now fretting about where their next paycheck is coming from. Two and a half million dollars was put aside for the parks department, ladies and gentlemen. So a guy can go around with one of those sticks with a nail on the end of it and pick up trash. The parks are going to be swimming in garbage now. Thank you, Mr. President. Happy 4th of July, everybody. The grass is going to be a little bit longer than it should be. Nobody's going to mow the lawn now. Because you had to have your fancy tank parade. Right? Fancy tank parade that nobody wants. Did I get it? Where's my ticket? Why didn't I get a ticket? Can I get a ticket to this? How long have you had this tank? <laughs> this extravaganza. In the big scheme of things, two and a half million dollars is not a ton of money. It is only a fraction of how much this is going to cost right now. What, what is the thinking behind the scenes at the White House about the way this is all going to go over? The president has explained this away on Twitter as just a minor cost, and it, it's only part of the cost that the Post has reported, $2.5 million in National Park Service fees de being diverted for this July 4th celebration and presidential event on the Mall. It is not clear yet about how much the Pentagon, the Department of Defense... Yes, at Bower in the chat. We must be thinking of the park maintainers tomorrow, exactly. You know, everybody, it's the 4th of July... And today we celebrate our independence and the American spirit whilst we are surrounded with all of this beautiful military hardware, big beautiful tanks and their big beautiful guns, ensuring that everybody around the world trembles with the fire and fury that we will unleash on them because I'm a big tough guy. 
whilst we are celebrating underneath the jet stream of our Hornet fighters loaded up with Americana missiles made right here in the US of A. Don't forget to spare a thought for Daryl. Daryl should have been mowing the lawn today, but unfortunately, because of this parade, he's not going to be able to trim the hedge and mow the lawn. He's going to have to come back on Friday. So spare a thought for Daryl. That's what we do this for. The Daryls of the world down at the Parks Department. Defense is spending on all of its military aircraft and, and the troops that are coming and the transportation of these two tanks onto the National Mall. Those costs have not yet been revealed. Uh, Congress, uh, of course, will be pressing for those uh, on those. How many tanks? Two. If I have 200 tanks. No, sir. Just two. Just two? Two tanks? Is that it? Two tanks? This is this is what everybody's getting upset about? Two vehicles? Fucking hell, man. Jesus, that's nothing. I thought, though, by the sounds of it, I thought the whole military armada was going to be going down the road. I thought it was going to look like a fucking invasion force. I thought it was going to be reminiscent of, you know, Blitzkrieg. With hundreds of tanks just plowing across the countryside. But it's just going to be two tanks parked. Just two. Two. <laughs> wow. Eight and a half minutes into the clip, we finally discover that it's only two tanks parked there. And now all of a sudden, it's it's not as impressive as I thought it was. If he was really, if he was really trying to be tough, wouldn't you have like a thousand tanks out there? Come on. Just two? It is weak sauce. Come come on, Mr. President. Come on, Mr. Trump. You can do better than two, surely. Questions in, in the coming weeks. Ken, we saw the president's tweet, the, the president defensive on, t on Twitter, basically saying, hey, this is actually costing far less than what it is worth to America. We've got the gas, the pilots, the planes. That ignores a ton of other costs, right? Someone in the chat um, rock saying they don't want to have to repave D.C., they probably should. <laughs> wouldn't this wouldn't this be a great way to get infrastructure built? So, hear me out. Donald Trump is some kind of genius here. What you do is in the cities with poor infrastructure and poor roads, you just have a military parade. You absolutely tear up the fucking bitumen, so it's completely completely ruined, and then you force the local city to fix the roads after you're gone. It'll be the rolling Donald Trump investment infrastructure investment encouragement tour slash military parade. And the parade will go through all of these rundown towns. Maybe if there's a building that's half collapsed, we can blow that shit up for the fans. God damn it. Now we need a new bridge. Thank you, President Trump. Thank you for giving us the inspiration to build a new fucking bridge. I love this guy. Like security, we heard from Mary, Mayor Muriel Bowser earlier today saying, hey, this is going to cost Washington, D.C. a ton of money to help secure this entire oh. event. You're moving a president over the mall. And I think that's where you'll see the attention after the fact. If this lapses into a campaign-style event, you're going to see calls will. for the president's campaign. Yes. To re or, or spray paint dicks everywhere over the potholes. Great callback from Follow Q. <laughs> Absolutely.
reimburse some of these mm -hmm. costs. We see that with rallies. The president's campaign has notably not reimbursed pol uh, local police departments for overtime costs that they accrued. And DC Kimmy in the chat says maybe Kim Jong-un will pop out of one of the tanks like a birthday cake, right? Like a North Korean dictator birthday cake made to look like a tank. And now a special surprise, one of my great friends. <laughs> and he's a great guy. We get on really well. The people really love him. The people in his country really love him. And you're going to love him too. Chairman Kim. And then he pops out of a tank. Hurrah! <laughs> Let's get this party started! Woo! <laughs> Mr. Trump, your tank is so big. You have a beautiful tank. Can I have one of these tanks? No, I don't think so, Kim. C still claims that he owes. First, first you take care of. First, you get the nukes out of there. Then we might give you one of these tanks, okay? Those costs for other events that that have been there. So I think uh, that's going to be yet another uh, sort of lingering effect of this. Not to mention the potential damage to the streets that we hear folks in D.C. complaining about. There's definitely something to Doug's point about Trump long having this desire to choreograph some event around him being the dear leader. Uh, but what is <laughs> so days after meeting with dear leader? <laughs> so what is Trump can't. There can be only one dear leader. Wouldn't it be amazing if Chairman Kim was invited to this, but the Democrats weren't? Oh, please. Somebody get, get Chairman Kim on a plane. Get him to D.C. post-haste. So unusual about this and different from previous instances of that this. That movie was called The Interview, I think you'll find. Is it, it's, it, this is why the word hijacked is being used, because the American people are being co-opted into this. This is their ah. day. This is the day for America right. and for every American. And yep. yet the American people are being somewhat against their will. Some ah. of them who are just coming here for the fireworks. <laughs> <It's, it's> a... <laughs> against their will? <laughs> it's like it's like there's special forces going door to door in the Washington, in the greater DC area, putting guns to people's heads going, you will come out and celebrate this military parade. You get your ass out there and wave that American flag or we're going to blow your fucking head off, all right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Shit. Fine. Yay. Yay. America. Yay. I'll say can you see? <laughs> and there's a red dot going around on their head. Celebrate. Be patriotic, damn it co-opted to be a part of this. Um, and then the second thing is the tanks. Against this is just will. not something that we see in most Western countries. This is more evokes Soviet images Union. of Iran, China, the North Soviets, Korea. China. Although not a tank. But to be yeah. fair, he apparently became enamored with this idea after going to there France. There is an exception. And, there there is the exception. And, and I got a feeling that he's going to be pretty disappointed with these two lone tanks as compared to Part, the spectacle along the side of the road. Spectacle. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Finally, they get something right. I can imagine President Trump walking out there saying, really, this is all you could get was two tanks? Who the hell is this? I got to fire this guy. Who's the tank guy? You said he was a good guy. We only got two fucking tanks? Jesus. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't invite the Democrats to this fucking thing. Hey, lock her up, everybody. There you have it. Hopefully you enjoy the um, the Donald Trump vanity parade, ladies and gentlemen. Should be a hell of a good time. 
Like I said, I want Chairman Kim to be there to pop out of a tank with a party hat on. With a little, with one of those, uh, with a top hat, an Abe Lincoln style top hat, but painted in the stars and stripes. You know what I mean? Chairman Kim. Hey. It's happening. <laughs> Walk and wall. Let's change tack a little bit here. Oh, I'm going to have to do something here. Pardon me. Didn't get my setup right. One second, ladies and gentlemen. Do you have any thoughts on the military parade? Feel free to call in, jump in the Discord, jump in the waiting room. Let us know how you feel about the military parade. I saw this headline and I thought, well, we absolutely must cover this. This is probably the most important story going on right now. Sex robots could be guilty of rape if their programming fails. <laughs> I bet you thought that the most confronting thing about the sex robot phenomenon <coughs> is that people were having sex with inanimate objects and then equating it to spending time with a real-life person. But what if, ladies and gentlemen, the robots fight back? Next generation sex robots will have, says Dr. David Levy, artificial intelligence above the level of most humans. Well, if you're so smart... How come you're a sex robot? Why ain't you an engineer robot? Why couldn't you be a mathematics robot, huh? If you're so smart, how come you're not an iPad? <laughs> Let's see. Robot-human marriage discussed, uh, discussed by artificial intelligent expert. Do you want to get married to your sex bot? Why not? People are getting married to dead pirates these days, so how bad can it be? Consider what most people want from a life partner, a spouse. All of the following qualities and many more are likely to be achievable in software within a few decades. Your robot will be patient, kind, protective, loving, trusting, truthful, persevering, respectful, uncomplaining, complimentary, pleasant to talk to, and sharing your sense of humor. And the robots of the future will not be jealous, boastful, arrogant, rude, self-seeking or easily angered god this guy's ex-wife sounds like a real cunt <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a real piece of work this guy's ex-wife it'll share your sense of humor it won't be arrogant or misleading or lying or awful or have sex with your brother what what was that <laughs> in the future Robot partner will make the perfect partners. You just see him having an argument with his ex-wife. One day, I'm going to marry a robot, and I'm going to do away with you. Shut up and do the dishes, Doctor. Unless, of course, you want them to be. How long have you had that tank? <laughs> have you always had that tank? Where did you... I don't remember a tank being here. Where did you keep it? How much did you pay for this tank? Did you keep it in the garage? I, I've been in the garage. I never noticed a tank in there. Just saying. These bills are piling up, you know. <sighs> you know, my robot never complains about my toys. So let us consider the possibility of marrying one. Please. Any discussion of marriage to a robot raises the question, what type of entity should we consider an intelligent robot to be? How should we categorize it? <laughs> Robot personhood is steadily becoming a Whoa. significant issue for lawmakers. And 
robot personhood. That's a new term. Haven't heard that one before. Robot personhood. How can that the two things can't squeeze? How do you mash those things together? Robot person. Robot person. What are we going to do with all the robot people? How are we going to fix the robot people? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is working in the field of social robotics. Before many years have passed, society will need to take some very important decisions as to whether intelligent robots should be regarded as persons or as some type of person. Wow. And if so, what should be their legal standing? There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Holy shit. We're going to have to consider the robots to be people. In an address scheduled for later this week at the 4th International Congress on Love and Sex with Robots, this is the fourth one, there was three previous international congresses on love and sex with robots, ladies and gentlemen. That wouldn't that be a fucking wild night? Dr. Levy will explain how these advances, which he expects to occur in the coming decade, will raise complex questions about consent and legality. While the first true sex robots have just arrived on the market in the shape of Matt McMullen's Harmony and other similar developments, he predicts a massive leap in the sophistication of sex robot technology. Romy Eskins, a researcher at Oxford and Stockholm University, says these artificially intelligent devices will be autonomous and interactive with flesh-like skin, effective computing, highly developed sensory perception, refined language skills, the capacity to learn, and multiple pre-programmed personalities. These sex bots of the near future will also display sentient behavior, such as the experience of sexual uh, pleasure. There's one of them. She also predicts that these future sex robots will form intimate sexual and emotional relationships with their users. Dr. Levy anticipates that the robots will be our equals or betters in many ways. He's already given up. He's already handing over the world to the sex robots. You know, the sex robots are going to be far superior to us in every conceivable way. We had a good run, humans. It's time to let the robot people take over now. Which raises deep philosophical questions. Will it be seen as immoral to own a robot that is in many ways equal to a human? Does having sex with a robot constitute rape? <laughs> uh, what are we going to do with all of these people? You know, if you're spending if you're spending your time wondering if having sex with a robot is rape or not, it's like I don't I don't know if the future has I don't know if we've got any room for you in the future. I I don't know what you could possibly give to us like what what service could you possibly offer in the dystopian future of you know post-apocalyptic war zone stuff right like what do you bring to the table can you change a tire you're in you know how to grow vegetables great you're in we, we're gonna need you i'm sorry what do you do well i i wrote a bunch of essays uh discussing whether or not having sex with a robot constitutes rape uh, yeah <laughs> sorry the life raft's full, man. Sorry. You're going you're gonna to have to go somewhere else. We've got no use for you here. He points out that the male function sex robots will have access to a far wider range of information about consent than human males. 
<laughs> so the male sex robots will know will have a better idea of what rape is and what isn't than human men will. <laughs> wow. But he also asks, if something goes wrong with the programming and a robot oversteps the agreed limits of sexual activity, who is responsible? The programmer or the owner? That is not a sex robot, by the way. That is a real-life human being, or so I've been told. Dr. Levy points out, uh, he quotes the Legal Affairs Committee of the European Parliament, which said in a 2016 report, damage caused by autonomous robots might also be traced back to user error. In such instances, either strict or fault-based liability may be imposed depending on the circumstances. Dr. Levy points out, this is uncomfortably close to victim blaming. (laughs) This would seem to imply that in some cases of inappropriate or illegal behaviour by a male bot seeking sex with a woman, the woman herself could be found to be liable. Imagine that. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine the feminist outrage when 30 years from now, a woman is going to court alleging that she was raped by her sex robot and the judge turns around and says, well, if you didn't want to get raped by a sex robot, maybe you shouldn't have put it out there so much. Maybe you should have worn a longer dress. (laughs) They're going to be like, Jesus Christ, even when we replace the men with robots, the patriarchy is still kicking our ass here. The male robots are just as sexist as the fucking regular males. I was raped by a male robot. Yeah, but you were kind of asking for it. (laughs) This sounds to me too much like she was asking for it. (laughs) I mean, if you go out and buy a sex robot... Isn't, it doesn't really get much doesn't get much more asking for it than that, does it, surely? I mean, what the hell did you buy a sex robot for then, if you weren't asking for it? He says that while we humans will have responsibilities to the robot, I don't fucking think so. No, 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 no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No. If I'm buying a sex robot, I want to be able to fucking put it in the closet when I'm done. Okay, power down. <laughs> Now shut up and get under the bed and don't make a sound until I'm horny again, okay? God, what a fucking nightmare. We're going to have responsibilities to the robot? So you have sex with your robot, you finish up, you leave the robot in the in the bedroom, and then you're out, you know, you're watching the game in the lounge room, drinking a beer or something, and you just hear this from the other room. Boogie. Boogie. What the fuck is that? Boogie. You get up and walk into the bedroom and the sex robot's there looking at you and you're like, uh, yes. She's like, have you taken out the trash? Fuck you. Get off my ass, man. Okay. Boogie, have you let the cats in yet? Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I need an oil change. Oh, this sucks. I think I'm just going to cut out the genitals and just be done with it. The proceedings of... The Love and Sex with Robots conference are set to be published in Paladin Journal of Behavioral Robotics, edited by Professor George Schoner from the Ruhr University in Bochum, Germany, and we can't wait for that. Absolutely can't wait for that. <clears throat> I want to show you something here that really annoyed me. I'm a big fan of Seinfeld. Seinfeld's probably the like my number one go-to show. <clears throat> Pardon me. Like, 
I grew up watching probably Seinfeld and The Simpsons more than anything else, but Seinfeld probably number one, right? And it's probably the only show that I can watch the same episodes repeatedly over and over and over again and still have tears streaming down my face. The dialogue, everything was just amazing when that show came out. There was never a, a show like it. I actually saw Jerry Seinfeld do stand-up here in Sydney a few years ago and for a month leading up to it, <clears throat> I had like this killer like mega flu that was going around um, Australia at the time. So I was in bed for a month and people who were following me back then, they'll know because like I was talking to them. I was doing Periscope. Uh, sounding like, uh, uh, hi everyone. Uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be um, hopefully I'll be doing um a show next week, but it's not, it's not looking good. Right. <clears throat> so after like a month in bed, I had tickets to go see this Seinfeld show, and I thought I'm not I'm not fucking missing it. I'm not skipping it. Went to went to see it. Could barely walk. Like. I wasn't in the mood for laughing, you know what I mean? I had a fever. I was incredibly ill, nauseous, couldn't walk. And then I've gone to this Seinfeld show and I haven't laughed that hard in my entire fucking life. Honestly, hand on heart. I had my face, you know, when you laugh so much that your face is sore afterwards, for hours afterwards. It was the funniest stand-up I've ever heard in my fucking life. And from a guy who's in his 60s now... And you think, oh, he's mainstream, blah, blah, blah. That's almost what made it so good was the fact that through his whole set, which went for about an hour, by the way, uh, no politics and no cussing. Now, obviously, I like politics and I don't mind swearing. So that's it's not like those things offend me. But I think it's it's extra hard nowadays to be really like that funny without going politics or cussing. Do you know what I mean? Very few people can do it. So he's a very old style, old fashioned style comic. And it was just fucking hilarious. The whole room, there was probably, I don't know, 5,000, 10,000 people in this place. It was just like a wave of sound of laughter. And it was continuous laughter for the whole hour. There was never like silent moments. It's just insanely good. So I saw this come on uh, Inside Edition the other day. And I thought, I don't like this. And I'm going to explain why. This is a little bit different. This is nothing political. Let's do a little bit of showbiz, shall we? <laughs> He's short, bald, chubby, and neurotic. But now he wants to be the master of his own domain. Yes! <laughs> no, not George Costanza. Mike Costanza, a struggling actor and real estate broker who is Jerry's buddy from his Queens college days. <laughs> Mike, Mike Costanza. He's an actor and a real estate broker. Whenever you put some other job title after actor, then you're not really an actor, right? It's like, I'm a, I'm a budding actor and a waitress. <coughs> I'm an actor and a tax accountant. No, you're not. You're just a tax accountant. You're just a waitress. You're just a real estate broker. <laughs> you are not an actor. If you have to be an actor slash real estate broker, you're just in real estate, bro. You're not an actor. But I mean, so this guy, I don't, I don't know this guy, thankfully, but uh, don't you think it's kind of shitty? So he's now written a book, like I'm the real George Costanza. He's got a press conference outside of the diner. Yeah, I understand. It probably sucks to have a character based on you and you don't get the money. You don't get the fame. You don't get the, 
the plaudits. You don't get the paparazzi chasing you down the road, right? And you're like, where's my slice? I want a slice of this. I'm the real George, you know. I'm the real George Costanza. You know, I used to be friends with Jerry back in college. It's like, oh, can like you know these kinds of people, right? You'd be at a party or something. Hi, I'm Boogie. Oh, nice to meet you. I'm Mike. Mike Costanza. <laughs> like he couldn't just, he just can't wait to tell you his last name. Yeah, hi, I'm Mike Costanza. Nobody else introduces themselves by their first and their last name, but I bet you Mike Costanza does wherever he goes. Even if he's at the fucking Burger King, you know what I mean? At Starbucks, you know how they say at Starbucks, what's your name? And you're like, oh, James, blah, 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 Boogie. He's at the Starbucks. Yeah, I'll get a double, I'll get a double mocha latte. And uh, by the way, it's for Mike Costanza. And (laughs) hoping, praying that the person on the other end of this transaction goes, Costanza? Costanza? Like George Costanza? Well, funny you say that. Funny you mention that. You know, that whole character was based on me. Really? (laughs) And even though he's had the conversation a million times, which would drive an ordinary person nuts. Like if your name was something Costanza and you were a normal person, you would avoid telling people your last name because you'd be like, I don't want to fucking talk about Seinfeld again. Every time I mention my last name, people want to talk to me about George fucking Costanza. I hate it. I'm over it. I hate that show. I wish that show never existed. Like, imagine if you were Homer Simpson. But this guy, he's the opposite. <laughs> he goes up to everybody. Hi, my name's Mike Costanza, just like the show, George. You know, it was based on me. I used to be friends with Jerry back in college. <laughs> Only 15 seconds in. My name is Mike Costanza, and I'm here to announce that I am the real Costanza. Oh. That's right. Mike says when Jerry was working on creating the show, he called him with some exciting... <laughs> On his book, his book does not have a picture of Mike Costanza on it. His book has a picture of Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike Costanza, and this is my book with a picture of Jerry Seinfeld on it. <laughs> because Jerry, Jerry's going to move copy. People will buy a book about Jerry Seinfeld. They're not going to buy a book about Mike Costanza. (laughs) On creating the show, he called him with some exciting news. Jerry said out of our friendship, he was naming the best friend on his show after me, and I was very touched. He's been uh, with Jerry to the movies, to Chinese restaurants, to the airports, on vacation. They've double dated together. All of the things that me and Jerry have not done. You know, in the show, uh, me and Jerry get on really well. We've been to the airport. We've double dated. We've gone on vacation. No, no, Mike, you didn't do any of those things. You understand that, right? You're you're just a guy with a name. You're just a guy with a Costanza name. You you didn't actually physically go on vacation with Jerry, right? Yeah, but in the show, they you know they go to the airport. It's fantastic. <laughs> Next up, Art Vandelay. <laughs> Most of the things Jerry and I did together. Good comment in the chat. The book looks a little thin. Yeah, because Mike Costanza doesn't have much going on in his life. Mike Costanza is an actor slash real estate broker. (laughs) So, of course, the book's going to be a little thin. Because Mike Costanza has so much spare time on his hands 
that he needs to release a book about how he is the real George Costanza. <laughs> but Mike wants everyone to know that there are differences uh, too. Uh, George is a neurotic, self-absorbed loser that we all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, in the show there, you know, the show, the character was based on me, all right? The character was based on me. I'm Mike Costanza. The character was based on me. And, you know, we went, we go on holidays, right? We go on holidays. We went, go to the airport together. We double dated, right? But all of those loser traits, I mean, the guy's a fucking loser, right? All of those fucking loser traits, they ain't mine. <laughs> I'm a fucking cool guy. <laughs> you know, in the show, George is like this neurotic, paranoid loser. You know, I'm none of those things. I'm a fucking baller, all right? <laughs> I mean, I'm a fucking actor slash real estate broker. <laughs> and uh, and he's a wimp. You he's know, Mike a wimp. Costanza is a stand-up guy. Mike, Mike Costanza is a fucking tough guy, all right? You step up to Mike Costanza, he's going to fucking lay you out. Right? George is a paranoid loser, loser individual. I'm the real George Costanza, but I ain't any of those things, all right? I'm a fucking winner. I'm a fucking stand-up guy over there. <laughs> and you can read all about it in Mike's new book, The Real Seinfeld, as told by the real Costanza. I just really wanted to distinguish between Mike Costanza and George Costanza. But when it who wants to read the fucking life story of an unknown, irrelevant person? Honestly, who cares? Who Who's going to buy this book? Who's going to buy this book called The Real Seinfeld, which is about a guy named Mike Costanza and his life with his family photos in there? <laughs> Kimmy in the chat. He says George is self-absorbed after having a press conference about himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got none of those traits, all right? You know, George is a self-absorbed loser who wants to be famous. I ain't got none of those traits. I'm just a regular stand-up guy, Mike Costanza. You know, me and Jerry used to be roommates back in college, right? <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Mike, Mike Costanza, just like the show there. You know the show? You heard about the show? Comes to saying goodbye to Seinfeld, Mike Costanza is a lot like the rest of us. I consider myself Jerry's number one fan, and uh, and I, I'm. He went from best friend to number one fan. Oh, Mike. Oh, Mike. Tut, tut, tut. How awful. There you have it. The story of Mike Costanza. Actor slash real estate broker. <laughs> <laughs> He's a stand-up guy. <clears throat> He's a stand-up guy, Mike. Reminder, if you want to get on the show, jump in the Discord, jump in the waiting room. You are listening to the Daily Boogie Podcast. Thank you for joining us. On this 4th of July Eve, got a very interesting little article for you here. This one's fun. Mystery mime artist turned up at Village Fate, then fleeced people out of cash. <laughs> this guy, we've been doing a story. Oh, fuck. I just, re I just remembered something. I remembered something we did on the starting block last night. I'm going to have to bring it up. We touched on it on the starting block last night, and then um, it's something that I wanted to show you, the rest of you who didn't watch the starting block. So, A word to the wise. Okay, I've got it ready to go. One of the most Australian things you'll ever see. We'll do it after this article. You're absolutely going to love it. So this guy, 
A mystery mime artist turned up at a village fate, then fleece people out of cash. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Wollaston's mystery man. There he is. 100 pound jackpot prize. So listen to what this guy did. I don't know if he's a douchebag or a hero. I'm leaning towards hero. Dressed head to toe in a checkered morph suit, there is little evidence to help identify who this man is. Okay. He's caused something of a stir after turning up at a village fate and getting people to guess who he was for one pound before running off with the cash. <laughs> so, so, this, so this guy dressed in a bodysuit is the easiest fucking grift he's ever done in his life, I guarantee it. This guy dresses up in a full bodysuit and he goes down to like a local fair and puts up these signs... Hey, $100, £100 jackpot prize if you can figure out who I am. So people pay, um, you know, a pound to enter the, enter, the, <laughs> enter the event and they write down what his name is and they put their contact name and their telephone number and they put their little entry in a box. Oh, I think, I think it's Daryl who mows the lawns. Oh, I, th- I think it's Max Johnson who works down at accounting. Yeah, oh, I think it's this. I think it's, oh, it's a little too tall. It's a little too tall to be Brett. I think it's Robbie. Ha ha ha. Okay. And he doesn't say anything. He's just a mime. And so people throw all of their money into the pot to figure out who he is. And then he just picks up the pot and fucking leaves. <laughs> doesn't hand out any money. <laughs> Walks out waving. See ya. And nobody knows who he is. <laughs> so they can't get the money back. <laughs> what a genius. Now villagers in Wollaston in the Forest of Dean have asked the man to come forward before they get in touch with the Popo. He communicated only through mime and some villagers think they know who he is but are staying tight-lipped to prevent a witch hunt. He turned up uh, at Wollaston Carnival and handed out entry forms that said, Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Wollaston's mystery man. The winner would receive £100 if they got his identity correct and most people assumed he was a local resident raising money for the hall fund. He even had the audacity to pose for selfies. <laughs> so this might be the first case in history where the thief has been photographed multiple times with the money and nobody still can find out who it is. Do we have any photographs of the suspect? Yes, we do. Thousands. Thousands of selfies were taken with the suspect. <laughs> The last note sighting appears to be of him melting away down a public footpath with a deck chair under one arm and an old music bag or briefcase under the other, just waltzing away with his chair. After failing to return, Sue and husband Tony, chairman of the committee, put an appeal on Facebook for him to reveal himself. The mystery depend, uh, deepened when organisers then received an email from the Wollaston Carnival mystery man offering to transfer £100 to them. <laughs> They declined, instead offering him a chance to hand over the cash. So then he was trying to pay off the councillors. Hey, well, I'll send you £100 if you just let me keep the rest. It was thought that he made several hundred pounds before fleeing with the proceeds, sparking a Midsummer Murders-style investigation. Isn't that wonderful? The Wollaston Mystery Man. (laughs) Face recognition fail. That's it. He found a way around it. There he is. Posing with people. (laughs) Posing with a young lad. 
Hello there, youngster. Have you got a pound you'd like to give to me? <laughs> Big story in this little town. Well done. The Wollaston Mystery Man. All right, I want to show you this. Like I said, we touched on it in the starting block earlier this morning. If you missed the starting block, then um, good luck to you because you're not, you're not missing much. But so we have an award ceremony here, which is the equivalent to the Golden Globes called the Logies. And the way the Logies works is people, you know, actors get nominated for TV shows and stuff, but it's actually voted on by the, by the public, by the TV watching public. They vote for who they want to win the awards. And the top award that gets handed out every year at the Logies is called the Gold Logie, and it only goes to one person. So it's supposed to be like the cream of the crop, right? All the, all the most favourite stars in the country get nominated for the Gold Logie, and only one guy gets to win it. And again, it's voted on by the public. So what's happened in the past is all the people who are nominated for the Gold Logies, and I'm not big on these award shows, don't get me wrong, I don't particularly care, but people do care here. It's still a kind of a big thing here, even though, you know, even though that shocks me to admit, but it's true. What's it mean? I don't know. I don't know what Logie means. Like I said, I'm not big on these award shows, but it's a big award. It's a big award. <clears throat> uh, Nadine, thanks for joining us. So this is possibly one of the most Australian things I've ever seen. So what normally happens is the people who are nominated for the Gold Logie then do a little bit of a PR tour. They go around on the radio shows and the TV shows and, oh, I'm just happy to be nominated. It's such an honour. Um, I think that this person will win the Logie. Yeah, L-O-G-I-E the Logie Awards. I think this person will win the gold Logie. He really deserves it. You know, I don't think I really deserve it, but I'm honoured to be nominated, blah, 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 blah. But this time, this guy, Tom Gleeson, he did a negative campaign, <laughs> meaning uh, all the, you know, the TV spots and stuff that he did, he was attacking the other contestants. He was saying, don't give it to this guy. He's a piece of shit vote for me, uh, this person's horrible, this woman is disgusting, she's awful, she doesn't deserve it, vote for me, I deserve it. All like sort of tongue-in-cheek, all taking the piss, all, you know, trying to be a comedian, right? Um, it worked. <laughs> so he ran a, ne a negative campaign to win the gold Logie at this awards night, and it worked. People voted for him, and he won. And he couldn't believe it. <laughs> so he gets up there. He's half shot. He's drunk. And he gets up there to accept the award. Like I said, one of the most Australian things you will ever see. A word to the wise, stop drinking. I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I thought it was Costa's night, to be honest. Uh, one each for the ABC, baby. Yes! Um... I'm in a tricky spot. <laughs> because I like it and I hate it at the same time. Yeah, because it was like, you know, fuck these stupid awards shows and these black tie awards nights. It's so dumb. Fucking who cares about the Logies? Fuck the Logies, blah, blah, blah. And then he wins it. <laughs> I can tell you this. I'm not the most popular person on Australian television. I know I'm not. It's just basic stats. <laughs> You know, if this went to the most popular personality on Australian TV, it'd go to someone from Married at First Sight or the, a rugby league player in the state of origin. I mean, that's what should happen. But it doesn't. For some reason, you've got to campaign for it. 
But I can tell you this, I do host the highest rating game show in Australia. <laughs> so, somewhere in the joke, people forgot that this is mine. <laughs> Turns out I'm just uh, really good at manipulating the media to get people to do things for me. <laughs> Which, if you think about it, it's why we're all here. Yes. So maybe I do deserve this award. <laughs> Takes a big swig. I mean, he took his drink up on stage with him. <laughs> I, that's when you know that you've had too much to drink, when you never let go of your glass, right? If this happens earlier in the night, you still have the wherewithal to keep the glass on the table when you go up and accept your speech because you're like, I don't need a glass of wine up there. I'm going to be up there for a couple of minutes, give my speech, and then I'll come back. But the longer, the more you've been drinking, right, the more alcohol you have in your system, the more likely you are to hold on to the glass that contains the alcohol wherever you go. That's when you start taking it into the bathroom with you, taking it out to the car park, right? You start carrying around the glass the more drunk you are. <laughs> Sorry, Rebecca, I'm very unwise. <laughs> I am going to take this as a win for the ABC. I think that's a treat. First time in 40 years, baby. So exciting. In a cynical move, I actually sent an email to Gary McDonald to try to get his endorsement because the last time the ABC won was Norman Gunston in 1976, who inspired this campaign. And I sent him a message. I said, mate, I'd really like to get a photo with you, you know, just to put on social media, maybe drum up a bit of interest. But at the end, I just put in a nice little sort of out clause for him where I said, oh, you know, you know, if you're not a fan or you can't be asked, that's fine too. And he replied, I am a huge fan, Tom, but I also can't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought he gave this award exactly the respect that it deserved. <laughs> Imagine, like, somebody winning an Academy Award and then using their speech to bash the Academy Awards, right? Somebody wins uh, an Academy Award for, like, their role in a movie and they get up there and say, you know, this is a worthless piece of trash and I don't care. I don't care about it at all. <laughs> that goes to slag off the awards ceremony. Just because all of you want it and I've got it, don't get angry with me. <laughs> Oh, that's sour. Oh, that's, um, that's Amanda Keller. Look at that. Oh, <laughs> she ain't happy. She is not happy. <laughs> and he couldn't give a fuck. Could not give a fuck. It's all right. You'll all survive. Um, it's a shame that this is the last gold Logie that's ever going to be handed out because, uh, <laughs> according to Grant Denyer, um, this is it. Uh, I have ruined the Logies and it's never going to happen ever again. <laughs> but at least I won this all by myself. I will do some thank yous, uh, some serious thank yous. I want to thank The Weekly with Charlie Pickering for let me, uh, letting me launch this ludicrous campaign. 
Also to Hardquiz, everyone at Hardquiz and everyone who works at the office at Hardquiz, thank you very much, I appreciate that. Also Chris Walker, the EP of this show that I work on. Uh, he does a fantastic job. One of the things I like about him is that he always, he always tries to think of things that we need to edit back into the show. Often I, uh, there's little bits where I go, oh, we can't put that to air, and he's like, yeah, get that in. And I really appreciate it, thanks, mate. Uh, also, I'd like to thank my wife because it's a convention. <laughs> but I do really appreciate it. Thank you very much for putting up with my shit in the kitchen as I plotted to win this for the last two years. So I do really appreciate it. You really want me to wrap up, don't you? I think everyone wants me to wrap up. The wife isn't like giving him anything. Ah, oh, don't you hate it? Guys, don't you hate it when the, when the wife does shit like that? You're, you're trying to read her face. Oh, don't you? <laughs> you're trying to read your wife. Like when you're too loud at a bar or something and you're with your friends and you're telling like obnoxious jokes or something and you look over and there's one person not laughing and it's the wife. And you're like, oh, babe, should we get going now or something? And she's like, no, it's fine. And just stares at you and you're, you're trying to get some kind of read. All women have this ability to turn into absolute fucking shark poker players in that moment. You know, they do not give you anything. <laughs> Nothing to read. It's like, I don't know what to do here. Should I keep going? Should I not? I'm not getting anything off this chick. I think everyone wants me to wrap up. <laughs> Feeling a bit like Molly Meldrum two years ago, but anyway, I'll try to... I'll try to right the ship. Try to right the ship. I will say this though, there's been a lot of concern that I'm turning this award into a joke. <laughs> but what you're forgetting is, I'm a comedian. I love jokes. <laughs> this award has meant so many things for so many different people, and that doesn't cease to exist. It's done a lot of great things for a lot of different people. You know, in the past it has represented trying to you know, get more diversity on screen or launching, you know, charities, and that's fantastic. But for me, it represents a joke, but I love jokes. I really enjoy them. I really think we should all like <laughs> I really do. We should all lighten the fuck up. I mean, the aim of my campaign was just to have fun with the whole thing, you know what I mean? Like, just, it's, because it all doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter, you know? We can have fun and just be entertaining and, you know, people get concerned about people campaigning for the award. Is that legitimate? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But it's social media, it's just media. I'm just trying to be entertaining through the media. You know what would have been weirder? Is if I campaigned for this award sincerely. <laughs> that would have been worse. It would have been worse. You know what I mean? Imagine me just sincerely saying that I was humbled by the award. I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. It would make me want to vomit. <laughs> it's one of the curses of sarcasm. I always say that. Like, my brother, like, he, he, like when I went to his wedding, I said to him, nice wedding. He said, thanks, mate. <laughs> no, I'm trying to say it was a really nice day. He was like, get nicked. <laughs> so I would like to take this as a win for comedy. And taking the piss and not giving a shit. 
not giving a shit. I'm taking it as a win for comedy because comedy to me is really important. In the past, it hasn't even been a category some years for the Logies. To me, it should be a staple. It really should be. Oh, sorry, at the end it says wrap up. Uh, they really want me to finish. I thought I wasn't going to win this, so I've been drinking heavily since uh, Costa <laughs> won Best Presenter. <laughs> I've been drinking heavily. But everyone wants to know, will I do something worthy with this award? I will. I'd just like to point people towards a charity called ticketmaster.com.au. <laughs> if you go there, you can buy tickets to my show at the Opera House. Brilliant. I'd really like to see you. Brilliant. I won't waste any more of your time. I will just briefly say, I would like to say thank you to the contestants on Hard Quiz because they make the show. And I know a lot of you haven't seen the show because we're all watching Netflix or Stan or whatever. No one, we don't watch each other's shows anymore. When you see each other at a party, don't say, I love your work, because you don't, because you haven't seen it. <laughs> Just say, how good's Chernobyl? <laughs> Our industry's dying and I'm part of that. Our industry's dying, and I'm part of that. <laughs> well done. Tom Gleason, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you roll. Utterly fantastic. Okay, tell you what. We might go another half hour or so. I'm, I'll take a quick five-minute break. If anyone wants to jump on the line, then jump in the Discord and jump in the waiting room. If you want to talk about anything you've seen tonight, you want to talk about the parade later today, you want to talk about something that's piqued your interest during the week, then jump in the Discord, jump in the waiting room. Now will be the time. We'll take a couple of calls. I've got one or two more stories to send us off for the Boogie Bumper week. So if you'd like to get on the show, now would be the time. Call in and I'll see you in a few minutes.
making our way back. Thanks everyone for hanging out. We're on the downhill run now for the show. Nobody wanted to call in. That's cool. Maybe next time. Uh, the, the opportunity has come and gone, I'm afraid. We're just going to do a couple more stories. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around. You are listening to the Daily Boogie podcast with your host, Boogie Bumper, on the downward, downward, uh, downhill stretch, pardon me, for all of us, by the sounds of it. I'd like to, th- I'd like to thank the Logies for this award. I have been drinking heavily. Yeah, wasn't it great? I knew you guys would like that Tom Gleason bit. <clears throat> um, even if you don't know who he is, I love, I love the approach, and I am also somebody who really can't stand the whole. I mean, it's fine for people to have these black tie awards nights and stuff because I don't care. I don't. I don't bother. I don't watch it. I'm not interested in it. But the the deeper subtext to his message there, that being. Um, Everybody should just lighten the fuck up. I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. People are way too prone these days. Like, the death of... We are watching the slow death of comedy right before our eyes. And it's it's tragic. And now you have sacred topics and sacred subjects and sacred people on all of these things that must not be discussed and must not be talked about. And, you know, there's socially approved comedy. And even though it's not it's not going to change the world, what this guy did, but for a brief shining moment, um, he took a sacred cow to all of these, you know, privileged celebrities, something that they want for their little trophy cabinet, and made an absolute fucking joke out of it. And to that, bravo. Bravo. He took something that was really important to a whole bunch of people who think that they're really important and took a big fat dump on it. (laughs) So it's absolutely wonderful and we need more of it because I think that's part of the reason why we're getting into this heightened hypersensitivity all over the Western world, not just Australia, not just the United States, not just Europe, all of them. A hypersensitivity where people are on a hair trigger just looking for a reason to be offended. And if there is no reason to be offended, oftentimes they'll invent a reason to be offended. Because the awards are going to those who are most offended. The awards in life are going to those who are least capable of dealing with shit. And that needs to change. And comedy is a great vehicle for that. So we need more of that in the world, in my humble opinion. What we don't need more of in the world, ladies and gentlemen, is stuff like this. Well, we need more Mary Ann Williamson. I might save that for Monday because it's a little bit long, this video. This video deserves like another half an hour breakdown. Mary, they're on the, on the campaign trail with Mary Ann Williamson for Vice Media. So we'll keep that one in the bank for Monday. <laughs> but I do have this. 
this was um, a couple of weeks ago. A robot police. So we're worried about the robots raping us now, the sex robots. If you missed the earlier part of the show, feel free to go back and watch the replay. We're worried about sex robot rape these days. Uh, we now have robocops in LA, ladies and gentlemen. Check this out. To you. They even make the robot policeman look like a penis, though, don't they? Why does it have to look like a penis? <laughs> oh, yeah, Officer Big Dick rolling through the park here, huh? Motherfucker. Why does it have to look like a penis? It's a moving speaking surveillance camera, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Come on, children, have your photo taken by the creepy police robot. Yay! <laughs> police in LA are using it to patrol parks as an extra set of eyes. There's nothing wrong with this. We don't have a problem with this. I mean, it's cute. It's cute. It's harmless. It's just a robot working for the police, walking around, doing surveillance of people in the park. It's fine. It's fine. Nothing to worry about. Come on, children, and let's, let's go see our dystopian future in the flesh. Yay. I can't wait until the police surveillance robots are patrolling the streets. Can't wait. Going to feel so safe. <laughs> Come on, children, come and get your photos taken with the police robot. <laughs> Images are sent to police HQ and officers deployed if needed. Can't we just fit it with a turret gun and be done with it? Good day to you. See, now it's programmed with the nice sounding good day to you. Hello, I am I am police bot. It's a lovely day outside, isn't it? But then when we're ready to flick the switch, it's going to be like, you need to return to your home or we will shoot you in the ass. It's like, whoa, you were so friendly yesterday. Hi, police bot. Hello, citizen. It's a lovely day for a walk in the park. Thank you for not walking on the grass. <laughs> And then down at police headquarters, when, they, when they've got enough of these robot things going around the streets, they'll flick the switch. Attention, citizen, return to your home immediately or you will get shot in the face. Whoa, police bot, what happened? I thought we were cool. I thought we were friends. Shut up, human scum. Fuck. How can we not trust the police robots? Deputies, man jumped over Lehigh Acres Canal in car. Dukes of Hazard style, and then crashed. <laughs> Finally, Dukes of Hazard comes to real life. Does it speak Spanish? Good question. If it do, if it did speak Spanish, it would sound like Cory Booker speaking Spanish. Very robotic, very robotic indeed. Tonight, a hit-and-run arrest with some Hollywood-level elements. Lee County Sheriff's deputies arrested Robert Foley after they say he crashed into an abandoned truck on 21st Street. This was in Lehigh Acres and then ran off. But the crazy part 
is how Foley got there. We actually created a map to show you what deputies describe happened based on those tire marks. Deputies say Foley was driving westbound on 21st Street Southwest toward a large ditch. Now, we don't usually do this. That's true, Monica. That would be the thing in the future. You'd see the police robot up on blocks with its wheels taken off in L.A. <laughs> Half of its skull missing. But we've got to read directly from the arrest report because you can't make it up. Quote, based on the physical evidence, it was apparent the Nissan was traveling at such great speed Nissan. that it, quote, vaulted, went airborne, and cleared the water canal slash ditch in this a fashion only to be described this similar to what was depicted in, and we're quoting from the police report, Dukes of Hazard. We did <laughs> What a legend. Hero or douchebag? Man jumped over Lehigh Acres Canal in car, Dukes of Hazard style, and the police actually wrote in the police report, a la Dukes of Hazard. Well done. Well done. Indian Man 20, this was sent through by Steph, wakes up at his own funeral after being pronounced dead by doctors. Isn't that a rude shock? An Indian man who'd been declared dead just and woke up just before he was set to be buried during a funeral ceremony, according to reports. Mourners at Muhammad Furkan, 20, was declared dead by Indian medical professionals. Professionals. <laughs> the Indian medical professionals. Ah, oh, this guy's dead. Should we check his pulse or, you know, check for a heartbeat? No, no, he's dead. Of course. He Look, he's not even moving. <laughs> he's not moving. Why, why bother? Put him in the ground immediately. Listen, I am a professional. You will not question me. I'm a professional. Put him in the box so we can go and have lunch. But his surprise awaking at the funeral in the northern Indian city of Lucknow shocked mourners. I fucking bet they were shocked. <laughs> You're at a funeral and the guy pops up out of the coffin. Hello. Oh my goodness. I would love to think that, you know, one of the elder relatives at the funeral had a heart attack when he came out of the coffin and then died themselves. It's like we just traded a young guy for an old guy. It's fine. So it's all good. He was immediately brought to the hospital and put on a ventilator to support him, according to The Independent. Furkan had been unconscious since June 21 when he got into an accident. Doctors declared him dead on Monday, but coincidentally, only after the man's family told the hospital that looked after him, they no longer had the funds to pay for his care. The fam <laughs> That's going to be a fucking awkward conversation back at the dinner table. Why Why did I wake up in a coffin? Mum, what, what were you doing? Well, we wanted to keep you alive, but we ran out of money. So it was cheaper just to, to declare you dead and then have you buried. Talk about getting in there at the nick of time. In India, they usually have funeral pyres. Yeah, and in India, they usually set fire to the bodies and put them in the Ganji River, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they pile up piles of dead bodies and set them on fire. Doctors declared him dead on Monday. Oh. The family told the Hindustan Times that the situation left them traumatized because not only had they had... Oh, pardon me. Not only because they not only had to come to terms with Farkhan's passing, but then see him move during the funeral. 
devastated. We were preparing for the burial when some of us saw movement in his limbs. We immediately took to Farkhan. We immediately took Farkhan to the Ram Mahana Lohia Hospital, where doctors said he was alive and put him on a ventilator support. We paid uh, seven lakh, which is about ten thousand dollars, to the private hospital earlier, and we told them we had run out of money. Then they declared Farkhan dead. Wow. Now that's the way to do healthcare. <laughs> we no longer have the... I'm sorry, we can't afford to pay to keep him on life support. That's okay, he just died. When? Like right now. Like right this second, he just died. So you don't have to feel bad about not having the money to keep him alive because he literally just died like right this second. So there you go. <laughs> Problem taken care of. Ah, job done. <laughs> We can't afford it. That's okay. He's dead. Really? Wow. That's convenient. Excellent stuff. Here's a scary one for you from uh, another story from Down Under, ladies and gentlemen. I love the way, because we're talking about the surveillance state with the robots, the, the, the police robot walking around the park is kind of fun. Uh, this is less fun. But look at the way that they try to wrap up this in a nice big package and put a bow around it. We often talk about how, you know, the scariest things that come out from government are always gift-wrapped for your benefit, right? Oh, this is for your protection. You know, the protection meme. No, 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 we're doing this to make you safer. No, this is a good thing. It's a good thing that we're censoring the internet because we're censoring the internet to make you feel safer. Ah, oh, okay, thank you. Thank you so much. So this is another level uh, beyond from the, the good state of Victoria, often referred to here as uh, the People's Democratic Republic of Victoria <laughs> because of their communist tendencies down there. Mobile phone data could be used by the state government to monitor the way Melbourne moves, but civil libertarians are worried about how much information could end up in the hands of authorities. A state government plan to get Melbourne moving. It is part of, you know, getting people around where they need to go. But it's just, it's just about tracking people's movements so we can get the trains to run on time. Ah, oh, okay. <clears throat> the the government tracking your mobile phone data is all about public transport. Really, really. Well, that sounds sounds like a tremendous idea. Nobody could possibly have a problem with this. Surely, surely not. Surely not. I mean, they're doing this for us. They're very concerned that it's taking sometimes an extra 5 or 10 or 15 minutes on the freeway to get to work. Are you aware of this? Do you know how much lost income there is due to uh, congestion in a city? Well, I've heard of those statistics. I've definitely heard of those statistics. If only the government could track our mobile phones in order to see where we are at all times then they might be able to devise a plan to get us to work on time. That sounds tremendous. Tremendous idea. But at what cost? I'm afraid it doesn't really pass the smell test. The Department of Transport is looking into technology that could use mobile phones to track our movements. <laughs> Each and every one of us probably most days will use Google Maps. It's basically the same technology uh, where it's able to locate where people are and how you move them. It's ho <laughs> You know... Each and every day, most of us probably use Google Maps. So I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, everybody's using Google Maps these days. 
There's note, if you are a person who's used Google Maps to get from point A to point B, you really have nothing to complain about. There's no difference between that and the government permanently tracking your movements through your mobile device <laughs> to feed into a database. That's, that's the same thing. It's the same thing. Everybody's used Google Maps. Am I right? Am I right? Huh? You with me? Hope the anonymous real-time data would help provide better responses to disruptions and delays. Uh, when we have a significant planned or unplanned disruption, if we have better access to real-time information no. where people are actually travelling on those corridors, it would allow us to ensure we get the right number of rail replacement services to those people to help to complete their... Fuck you! How did you... How did you... How did you... How did people before you, you pencil neck prick, how did people before you manage to get the trains to run on time without tracking people's mobile fucking devices? How was that possible? How was it possible in years gone by where people had the ability to say, hey, we need an extra train on this particular line due to, you know, a sporting event or something. There's extra people using this service this week. We need an extra train online. How were people able to do that? Huh? Are you so fucking unqualified for this job? You're, you're sitting there going, gee, I, I don't know how we got the trains to run on time before. I guess we better track everybody's mobile data. What? What? This is like James Bond villain shit. This is like the James Bond villain who has a, a, a problem with the way society is being run and his solution is to drop nukes on the capital. You know what I mean? You know, well, I really don't like the level of corruption in the government. So I think the best solution would be to just wipe out the Earth's population and move to Mars. It's like, what? Fuck it, I think you skipped a few steps, bro. We don't go straight to nuking. Yeah, we're having problems um, tracking the transport system. So we we really want to be able to make the trains run on time for people's convenience. So I just thought it'd be a good idea to track everybody's mobile data and feed it into a government database. <laughs> You're mad! Mad scientist. But some have security concerns. Oh, some, some people look, look at, look at this. Oh, some people have security concerns, and it's like a dark hacker image. You don't want to be one of those hackers, do you? You know, I hear those underground criminal hacker types have a problem with this. <laughs> Silly fools! They don't understand. We're just from the government, and we just want to make the trains run on time. You seedy, unknown criminal type, you. This is extremely sensitive, extremely worrying data to have available in one nice, neat, tidy little package. Currently, information about public transport usage can be collected from Mikey touch-ons and touch-offs, but experts say the ticketing system doesn't provide the full picture. With situations like the free tram zone and with a more fluid public transport network, it doesn't give us a granularity of information about where people are actually travelling all the way through our network. Oh, what a fucking tragedy. We don't know where the people are. We don't know where all the people are at every single given point in the day, and that's a problem. No, you're the fucking problem. You and people like you, you're the problem. You know, we're already tracking people's movements due to the uh, the transport card that they have to swipe to get on and off a train. But that's not good enough. <laughs> it only took them fucking 10 years to put that in place. You know, we're, we're already getting a significant amount of data from uh, people's personal swipe cards when they get on a train, but we'd like more. More, more, more. Please, sir, can I have some more? 
More? How about we just track everybody's mobile data? Great, great idea, sir. Of course, there are some civil libertarians and hacker types that might have some kind of problem with that. But these people are fringe-dwelling conspiracy theorists. The government never did anything with having access to people's personal data and whereabouts at all times of the day. Nothing untoward, anyway. Nothing untoward. There you have it. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, I think that might see us through to the end of the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy your military parade tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Enjoy the tanks. Hopefully Kim Jong-un will pop up out of a tank at some point. Fingers crossed. I certainly hope he does. <laughs> so, all jokes aside, um, from my American brothers and sisters, happy 4th of July. Hope you have a wonderful day. I'll be back on Sunday night with Trust and Verify with the Flying Hawaiian James R. Follow at TAV Show. Besides that, back on Monday. Don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS for the best 15-minute data downloads on the interwebs. And the preacher man, Chris Mack, at ChrisMC44, who's on 17 times a day. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to track me, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Sandra. Thanks, General. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Follow Q. Kimmy Jong-un. Thanks for joining us on the first adults-only edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. everyone. Have a great day tomorrow. Until next time. Bye-bye.